Okay, so you season four, you goes global. What did you, <laughs> what did you think of of that season? I like you. <laughs> I like. Uh, I think Pen Badger does a really good job, and I enjoyed it. Despite yeah. myself, I didn't want to. I think this idea is maybe gone too far now, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I, it was it was going off the rails at the end of season three. I thought. I know you disagree, but and I thought I actually think this season kind of um, recovered the actual franchise of you a little bit because I, I think it went in a slightly different direction. There was still the obsession element and things like that, but I actually felt they did try and do something different this season. So the maybe have they've maybe given life into it a little a little bit again, um, I, which which was a surprising thing for me. I think for me, I'll talk about how I felt at the start of the season first. Okay. Um, after the first couple of episodes, I I thought that you know I thought the first episode was a disaster, an absolute disaster. Um, the whole you know the, the whole Americans' portrayal of of British culture just obviously came through throughout the whole season, but it's just really t- it's just ridiculous. It's I I find it tiresome, boring. I don't really understand why they still cast the only the only, you know a lot of these t- American TV shows they cast a posh British person. I don't understand it. There is so much more culture um, to Britain, and I, I, is it lazy? I don't know, but I, I just really don't appreciate it. And I thought it was going to be really hard for me to get over that throughout the whole entire season, and and it's you know by episode three, I really felt that. If you didn't have Jonathan Moore and Kate in a scene, and maybe Reese Montrose, I, I felt like the show was just derailed. You know, every time it was anyone other than those three characters for, at the at the start, I, I just couldn't I couldn't get on board with it. I feel like there's very few occasions when none of those three characters were in a scene or on screen. That's I mean that's pretty much the yeah, whole but, show. But in the start at the start of it, it was enough. Or also maybe Jonathan Moore's interactions with those characters. Every time he interacted with anyone but Kate, Reese, and Marianne, at the start, I, I really, really struggled, and and I thought I was going to feel like that throughout the whole TV series because it's just the okay. There is a proportion of of British culture that that behave and act in that way, um, as the whole entire cast in this show did. But yeah. it's not. It, you, do you know what I mean? It's you know, you comes to London. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. It, to me, it just doesn't resonate at all. And and, and I got over it, but it, it, I really struggled to get over it. I thought the first four. that the setting would dominate our conversation about you, or uh, dominate my thinking about this um, about this series. And it sounds like in the same way as what you're saying. Like in that first episode, I thought this whole thing was gonna. <laughs> the setting was going to really bother me I guess is what I'm trying to say but the setting became irrelevant really quickly um, I don't think that it was utilised at all, it's not a portrayal of London it's a portrayal of the universe of you again It whether that was you know Brooklyn or uh, Madre Linda or LA or London, it just doesn't matter the only difference is the, the characters' accents <laughs> um mm. 
London was yeah. not utilized as a setting. Yeah. It's kind of dropped. Like the fact that it's in London doesn't matter. There's the. I mean, I kind of found it a little bit jarring that there was these aerial shots of London to establish a scene, and then it would cut to just the inside of a, you know, penthouse suite with with Joe and that social group of elite British mm. characters, and it could have been inside a house in Madre Linda, inside an apartment in LA inside one of these ridiculous spots in New York like it the setting just was not relevant yeah uh, and London was underutilized I'm, I don't know what I want from that I don't particularly care I guess my question is why set it in London in the first place why move it over there I, I get that the character Joe has to move around to escape his previous wrongdoings and run from the law um but I mean, you know, it could. Well, it's another English-speaking country, I guess. It, they yeah. threatened to set it in Paris, didn't they? At the uh, at the yeah. end of the season, there was a little cutaway at the end of season three where he, he was being referred to as Nick, and he was in Paris, and he's chasing Marianne, and I was all ready for it to be in Paris. It was in London instead. It might as well have been in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference were the accents. Yeah. I ju- yeah. I, I mean, I did get over it. Um, I, I, found I will say someone said the word pants about five minutes into the first TV into the first episode and I lost it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I just I, f- I found the dialogue on the British actors really really jarring throughout the series um, but you know I, I did manage to get over it because the, the, storing became, the story became compelling enough um, I just yeah I, I I don't know what it is I think you're right I think it's it was more to do with the the universe of you because thinking back you know the the cast in the first three series separate to Joe were also insufferable beings he's like, always he's always around inserted into you know, a social yeah. group of of despicable people yeah. of people that are really hard to stomach which is which is what I think helps me get over it because I I started associating it with you know I remember some of those characters from season three um, and peaches from season one and you know you want you wanted them to get you know uh, and I think that's what this show does so well it made the acting and the the characterization I guess the writing is so good that um, it makes you detest you have so much contempt for every character that Joe is coming across that you that it's easier to forgive the crimes he's committed, the murders that he's doing, like the monster that Joe is. It's easier to forget um, because he's contrasted with, well, he's put against this context of insufferable people, whether they're peaches and that social media generation or um, this London elite that are just evil, man. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think that's what this does. That plus... Penn Badgley's acting and being able to portray such a charming character. Like, I like Joe. I really, <laughs> despite who, what he is, I'm made to like him. Yeah. And I think that's the point the majority yeah. of the audience is. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, there's a biting social commentary there in a, in a number of layers, on a, um, on a few different layers. The fact that we do find it so easy to connect with a murderer, uh, the fact that I think as Penn Badgley himself has said, we we kind of like, we kind of fetishize um, serial killers. Mm. And I think that's, you know, we, we're made to do that with Joe Goldberg, um, definitely. And also there's the commentary of, of Joe's critique of the societies that he's thrust within all the time. Yeah. Or what well, he puts himself in, actually. 
Yeah, the Norton one. So, um, so let's get into a bit of the story, and and I guess it's time to give you your uh, your congratulations. Um, even though you said it was, you could see it from a mile off. In episode, I think after episode one, you called um, that Reese, according to Joe, doesn't exist. I don't know. It was quite episode one, but I definitely saw you that. You called it early on, off, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so obviously, I, I was playing the guessing game after the first couple of episodes as who the the rich killer would be, um, and you know didn't realise until much later on in the series what was going on. But, but Alpha, you you kind of got got it quite easily. Um, does does that make it a bad twist, or or does that make you know what what what's the commentary on that? Is it because I I sometimes find it a problem when you can call the the twist. Yeah, I do. I think this. Um... I do as well. I think this twist was underwhelming. Um, not just because I thought it was a little bit telegraphed, but mostly because it's it's an overused idea. I mean, mm. the Fight Club does. I don't even fight. I don't even think Fight Club was the first to do it. Um, but that concept of a character only existing in the protagonist's mind. Uh, a Beautiful Mind is another good example. It's it's coming up quite a lot. doesn't help that I just watched um, Fall, a uh, 2023 movie on Netflix. Those two girls that climb a radio tower. Um, that does something similar. I don't want to say too much because we're not reviewing that. I don't want to spoil it. But um, I'm seeing that idea of a character being a figment of another character's imagination um, and misleading the audience to thinking they're real. I'm seeing that happening a lot. And I guess it is getting a little tiresome. Um, although, I will say, despite the actual moment of the twist, the reveal being a little underwhelming, what they did with it was really good. I really liked the um, the Reese Montrose, Joe Goldberg duo when he's accept- when he's aware that he's um, part of his, he, yeah. he's a hallucination. And he and Reese Montrose represents the darker side of Joe. Like yeah. and you're seeing that battle, well. that internal battle happening between in the dialogue between two characters on the screen. I thought that was really clever. I really enjoyed that as well. Um, that scene, especially when Joe finally confronts and kills um, Tom Lockwood, uh, that did that really well. Reese egging him on, mm. Joe trying to having this internal struggle like in the moment. Yeah, that was really successful. I thought it was cool. I thought yeah. Unoriginal idea, but executed really well, and yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I, I think the the actor that played Reese Montrose did did himself proud. I think it was a really good um, portrayal. Yeah, Ed Spielers. Uh, I've already heard talk of them wanting to bring Ed Spielers back in some way. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know in season five. Yeah, so I don't know how that's gonna work. But. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how they're gonna achieve that, but it, you know, it was. It, you know, it was kind of refreshing to see the you know that voice of reason in, in, in Joe's mind actually be a you know a physical character. Well, it's the voice of unreason, isn't it? Or voice of unreason, yeah. Um, what one thing I will say though is we, we kind of alluded to it earlier on about you know you 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 tend to like Joe, you 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 know you get on side because he's kind of doing the almost not the right thing, but it, he's he's given. You know, he's killing people off that are despicable people. But within within this series in particular, I actually um, I, I I ended up towards the end. I didn't empathise with Joe anymore. 
I don't know how you felt about that. I, I wanted him to get caught in the end. Um, I, I kind of, I bought into the, the Nadia and um, Marianne hype and I kind of <laughs> wanted them to catch him, do something to him, him and finish him, him off. Because yeah. I, I felt like it would have been, you know, it might have been the right time to kind of call call it a day with this with this TV series and I, I think that would have been a, a really good way to do it. I am, however, like, interested to see if Marianne comes back in season five and is some kind of Avenger of some sort. But I, I uh, yeah, towards the end of the season, I was thinking, yeah, t- Joe, game's up, time for you to kind of, you know, I was hoping there wasn't a way out for him, but, it, you know, it obviously seems to work out for him in the end again, because, you know, I guess there's more money to be made from this franchise. <laughs> but um, I just think it would have been an, a good... A good ending to if if they ended it this season, um, and and it was the first season I didn't feel like I was on his side. Yeah, I think that's intentional. I think. Um, do you th- do you think that was intentional, or do you think people, you know, you're still supposed to be on his side at at that point? At like the end of season five, Joe has four. Sorry, four. Yeah. The end of season four, Joe has finally embraced his dark side, and I think that's the natural conclusion of his character or, or that's the only direction that his character could conceivably like you know go could conceivably end up in like he's he's always I, I guess every season has followed a similar structural pattern of first of all it, you know it establishes you with Joe, the audience with Joe and you really like him and you're really intrigued by his character and he's charming and he's making these you know you get you get his internal monologue all the time um and the the commentary on the society that he's um, that he's surrounded himself with, and then you get a twist of some kind, like a small, you know, the first murder or Joe does something horrific, and you're you know you're you're separated from him a bit, but then you you find a way to reconcile with it, um, or the show helps you along by portraying the characters as so insufferable, <laughs> the other characters, um, and then he kind of there's always a moment of remorse I guess self-awareness from Joe where he tries to change Mm. he tries to I mean this happens in in a lot of different ways I remember the beginning of season two he was self-aware and trying to steer himself away from his murderous stalky urges I guess Um, but then at the end of every season he always he always realises that the true form of of growth is to lean into those urges more than escape them Season four does this slightly differently, where in the end he decides that the only way to do this is to physically kill that part of himself, i.e. kill the, his imagined Reese Montrose. He throws himself off a bridge, you think that's going to be the end of Joe, of course he wakes up in hospital. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the reconciliation with Kate, where she says we're going to keep each other good. Your, you know, Our relationship will prevent Kate, or our relationship will prevent me, Kate, from becoming my father from becoming Tom Lockwood or giving into those kind of ruthless business traits she has where she will give a load of children cancer to make millions um, and equally she will prevent Joe I will prevent Joe from um, lapsing back into being a serial killer that, that, that's really interesting because obviously that, that conversation happened but at the very end of the series it didn't feel like that that's where it was going it felt like it was going to be some kind of power couple situation where if Kate has a problem, 
Joe's going to fix that problem for her. That that's actually how it felt to me at the no, very yeah, end. No, yeah, I think that's what it is. So they're though. not keeping each other good at the, all. They're becoming this, like that, like that's how it was almost pitched to me at the end when he's kind of looking at himself in the mirror and, and not the mirror, he's looking at himself, you know, in, in his reflection and it's Reese. Reese is the reflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and then he's he's got this sinister smile to kind of end the TV series, and it and it's almost like okay, so actually, Kate is going to become this tycoon. And he's going to do all the dirty work. Yeah, that's, for that it. is and the point gonna, I'm making. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a comparison to his relationship with love in season three, I guess, um, because they enable each other. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's revealed that love is also a serial killer, <laughs> and they have this um, enabling relationship. Or, well, I guess they're both trying to prevent the other one from from their murderous ways. But no, this was different. This is a different kind of enabling relationship where they they're claiming to each other that they're going to keep each other good but in reality they're keeping each other safe mm. I think that's the difference between Kate and Joe and Love and Joe um, and yeah they're actually they're actually just enabling each other and they've risen or Joe has risen to this this level of power where he is untouchable and he can indulge the murderous the serial killer side of himself the Reese Montrose part of himself um and Kate can be that tycoon, but mm. they are justifying it to each other, in yeah. the and, and I guess they're untouchable because of their wealth and power. Um, and do you, and do you think Kate believes that it the the cover story that um, Tom Lockwood's bodyguard killed? I don't think Tom she cares. Lockwood. I don't think she cares. She's just not bothered. I don't think that'll. I don't think she'll look at it. Yeah. Um, she, she's. I think she's supposed to be quite an intelligent character, and she's probably got some suspicions. I don't think she cares I think she's glad to be rid of her father and I, I think she's fully aware of who and what Joe is or for the most part anyway um, and, is, and is accepting it and to an extent enabling it yeah she, I mean Joe is you know a he's a, he's, a, he's a parable for Tom isn't he he's exactly the same they both I mean obviously Tom is protective of his daughter Joe is protective of his obsessions of the people that he supposedly loves um and will do anything, including murder. <laughs> Usually, before he's tried any other options, to be honest, um, <laughs> to keep them safe. And so, like Kate has ended up with a character who's extremely reminiscent of her dad. Mm. Um, and and Joe's ended up with yet another love, really. Yeah, mm. another person who was began as a kind of romantic obsession and has developed into an enabler for his crimes yeah and and I think as a whole the series was good in the end I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it I, I enjoyed the, the I felt like it was quite a whodunit type of situation for the first half yeah they, they six, really lent into that seven episodes of the, of the series and, and even though whodunits have been done over and over again I, I think it was good like I enjoyed it and I enjoyed that it was that there was a there was a chance at some you know there's a chance that it might not have actually been Jonathan that was doing those things or Joe that was doing those things to those um, people and I enjoyed I enjoyed that because I, di- I didn't work it out straight away so I was kind of still enjoying the fact that it could have been this person it could have been you know it could have been Nadia it could have been Reese whatever yeah, yeah, it could yeah, have yeah. never been that dear. Like, but, but that was one of my theories at the start. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
and yeah, like I, I enjoyed that. That's the direction they took it for. At the you know, for a good amount of that series, and then um, they almost reverted to type towards the end of the season to kind of tie it up, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and and I, for me, the fact that they went on for a different angle at the start kind of allowed me to to enjoy the season a little bit more. I think um, what I really liked about this season, especially about season four, especially, was that it used that um, Joe's internal monologue slightly differently. So in the original seasons, in one, two, and three, or at least one and two, the you that Joe's internal voice is always referring to is the object of his obsession, right? So it's Beck to begin with. Mm. Why did you come into the book? You know, yada, yada. Um, And then it's love. And then in season three, it's Marianne. In season four, the you that he's referring to, because obviously it's referring to the audience as well, isn't it? But the you that he's referring to in season four is not a, an, an object of romantic obsession. It's the person who's supposedly blackmailing him and, and framing him for the murders. That's ultimately revealed to be him, to be his suppressed conscience. Conscience? Yeah, his conscience? <laughs> Whatever. To his suppressed side. So in a way, he's chasing himself. And that lent really well, that, that really helped the natural conclusion of his character to discover that, try and eradicate it, and eventually realise that the only way forward is to indulge that side of himself. Yeah. Accept his dark side and become the fully the fully fledged mm. ser- like maniacal serial killer that he is. Mm. Um, do you think that this new Joe, the, the accepted serial killer, powerful Joe. Do you think this is a good direction for it? Do you think this is what you want to see from his character? Um, so, the f- initial answer to that, uh, or the funny answer is, I was kind of hoping it was going to actually become, you know, you in Egypt. And <laughs> <laughs> you in, you know... South Africa and stuff like that, and there was a new, you know, there was moving around the globe. Yeah, there was just a a new ridiculous story every season in a completely different part of the world. But um, I guess, I mean, it becomes a completely different TV series if that happens. Though he, you know, he then has to, I guess, find target, or you know, Kate finds a target, and he has to find a way to get close to them and then kill them you know is that the way it's going to go where he is literally the you know the bulldog or or you know that person that gets things done um quietly for his you know powerful other half Mm. if that's the way it's going to go then fair enough but then it's a completely different tv show it's not you anymore it's what's you but it's like you as in this person is now a target i think really it has to end next season. I agree, and I think it has to end, and and Marianne has to has to play a huge role in it. It's interesting to see now that Joe is you know this completed form of his character arc. Um, I mean, we got to talk about real quick. We got to talk about the the murder of Ed and the framing of Nadia at the end. To me, that's the most brutal, probably the most brutal thing that Joe's done. Yeah. Um, it's completely void of empathy. It's it is a new form of Joe. Like compare yeah. that to earlier in season four when he's struggling to to frame Connie, um, for uh, to being the uh, for being the 
eat the rich killer because Connie's saying he's going to clean up, go to rehab, get his act together. And Joe can't do it anymore. And then he's sent Nadia, his favourite, you know, best student. student, to prison. Framed her. Or Ed. I'm not really sure who we actually pinned the Eat the Rich Killer title on in the end, whether it was Ed or Nadia. But either way, Ed's been killed. Nadia's in prison. That's that. And and Joe's gone back to New York. He's ended up back in New York. He, where it they started. pinned it on Ed. So, and, then and then she was she, she kills killed him, him on finding out yeah. that he's the yeah right um, and then obviously he's ended up back in New York which is where it all started which is a kind of natural end for me um, so I wouldn't be really that mad if it if it ended here yeah uh, if it was done now and I don't I think you know despite them doing something new with that internal monologue um, of Joe's in this season ultimately I think it is time to move away from the template that every season of you has followed so far whether that's by just finishing it or going in a new direction i don't know mm. the direction i would like it to go if there is a, a, a season five is that joe becomes the villain uh completely and we're still stuck with his perspective but we don't but we we're increasingly ostracized from him and we see a return of marianne of nadia and maybe even ellie from season two um if they can, you know, if they can manage to get any more General Ortega's time, <laughs> um, and see the three of them, and every anyone else that is still after Joe, trying to take him down, and and succeeding. Yeah. The only natural end for this is Joe is dead or in prison, um, and and I'd like to see the narrative move in that direction for its fifth and final season. <laughs> yeah. If it goes past five. Where I mean, you know, it's already got a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Um... No, yeah, I I agree. It's it's there's time. It's time for some form of ultimatum that maybe we thought we were getting in this season, if they're going to go again, and and it seems like they are. Um, I can also see them doing a lot more than five seasons if they really want to, but hopefully that's not the case. But yeah, it's. I, I think you're right. That's the direction it's got to go from now on, um, and I guess it's time to. Unless you've got anything else, it's maybe time to rate the show. I mean, I like it. That's the thing. I like it. I think um, I've enjoyed it consistently. Joe is a good character. Uh, not in terms of, um, in a morality sense, but um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a well-written character and it's really enjoyable to watch. The twist fell a little bit flat for me, but in fairness, that's only one of many twists. I know we're only reviewing season four right now, but the twist in, at the end of season two, when it turns out that Love is a villain as well, is a killer as well, that really surprised me. That was pretty good. And also the detail of the twist in this season um, that Marianne hadn't actually left and he'd got her yeah. in, the, in the glass box that's becoming, you know, as much a part of Joe's personality as anything else now, isn't it? Like it's almost a staple of the show. Um, the return of the glass crate and, and Marianne being trapped in that that really surprised me and it was also foreshadowed well um, the you know with the, the Indian foods that he's constantly yeah. like, uh, going for that walk with Kate and, and saying oh this is my favourite Indian branch and it's because he's, he's subconsciously going there every day to take food for Marianne I yeah. liked that that was clever Nadia talking about the um, the plot structure of a, a whodunit and actually saying I think one of her lines is I think sometimes it's better when it's just an average Joe which is obviously like crazy foreshadowing um, a lot of stuff like that was really clever um, and well written and I enjoyed so I'm going to give you season 4 an 8 
out of ten. Okay. And 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 how does that, if if possible, how does that apply to the rest of the, you? Eight out of ten overall. Overall eight out of ten. My favorite season was still is still the first. Yeah. Um, when it was super, I, I I mean it helped that I thought I think Beck is probably the best um, object of Joe's affection. She was so convincing. Yeah. And you didn't always know if you'd liked her or not. And I, 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 uh, Beck was done really well. Yeah. And I liked Beck's return cameo in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, the despite you know liking let's say the last seven episodes of this show. Um, it, it's still I, I still was quite jarred by the start but I'd give it a 7 I enjoyed what, what I was watching um, f- f- as, a, as a whole um, I enjoyed some of the characters I really like um, Charlotte Ritchie um, mm. I liked you know ever since I saw him fr- I haven't seen her in loads but she was great in Fresh, Fresh Meat I found <laughs> um, so, so I really like it when you see um, especially like actors from like comedic backgrounds and shows kind of come into something a little bit different um, you know I, I generally like that and and I thought she was really good I thought Reese Montrose uh, Ed is it Spielers. Spielers he was really good as well um, so, so yeah I, and I, I always give a lot of like appreciation to, to good acting when, when it, in shows and stuff like that so I, I'm really glad for them mm. um, overall I would probably give the show a 7 I felt you know season one and two I thought were pretty solid I, I didn't really like do you think this was the three. weakest season yeah I was gonna well, I thought season th- season three I didn't watch it all and oh, really yeah I, I, I yeah I just I just lost interest of season three um, and this season even you know we're reviewing it and stuff and maybe I would have stopped after episode one of this season but persevering and watching the whole season, I, I thought it was it, it was okay. It was better. Than, I thought this was the weakest season by a long. Yeah, and, and and that's fair enough. There was a lot of that's wasted time in this season. Yeah. What, was, what was the point in that entire development with Roald and the and the and his obsession with Kate or the Phoebe and Adam relationship? I mean, I know it served to mislead us and maybe um, build the twists up a little bit more and that kind of thing, but like. Ultimately, it just felt like a lot of wasted time. Yeah, like, I'm not interested in Roald or Phoebe or Adam or yeah. any of this. This well, you're giving it an eight out of ten. So. <laughs> I'm giving yeah, but I'm giving it an eight out of ten. This is why I'm not giving it a nine or a ten. Yeah, um, and also I, I mean I know we're only supposed to be reviewing season four, but it is propped up by the quality of the earlier seasons. Uh, to yeah, me. and I think season three. I think this is the weakest season. I like season three. There was a lot of humor in season three um, that worked really well for me. Um, season two was really surprising. Um, and a good development of his of Joe's character was the first time we got to see that self-aware side of him. And season one is obviously the classic, staple, yeah. super simple version of it that, yeah. that was really good. If it was yeah. season one on its own, I might give this a ten out of ten. I don't know, maybe not, but you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. and just before we we kind of wrap up, what what do you think of Penn Badgley's opinion on on Netflix and glorifying serial killers? I I don't because I, I feel like. You know, he's 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 obviously made a lot of money from from playing you know a fictional serial killer that everyone's kind of grown to love. But is it is it not strange that he's coming out just before the season dropped and and criticised Netflix of of glorifying serial killers? I understand the point. I understand that um, they, they do all these specials on on uh, the did 
Jeffrey Dahmer, they did uh, Ted Bundy. I don't know, yeah. Um, they did... Zac Efron got involved in that. Yeah, Zac Efron did, did the Ted Bundy one. They also did... Um, it was not a serial killer, but... Uh, th- who's the guy with the island? Oh, Epstein. Pedophile Island. Epst- Epstein. You know, like the well, that, that wasn't a biopic, though, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, you know, so the, they, they do like to kind of, and there's, the, you know, making a murderer. They, they do like... Well, the true but, crime I, It was probably born off making a murderer, to Yeah, be yeah, yeah. True crime has skyrocketed in the last 10 years. Um, so, I mean, where'd you sit with his comments, you know, you know, having the main role in probably the, bi- the biggest fictional portrayal of this over a number of years to tell you the truth I'm probably not familiar quite familiar enough with his comments to like accurately comment he's, 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 so he, he, his claim was that yeah he was playing that role but it's a fictional character what he, they, what he did also say that Netflix they were, were glorifying real and true accounts yeah I heard him say that Joe is meant to be charming that's the point um, but I also, but he said something along the lines of, "If you're if you're finding yourself attracted to the likes of Ted Bundy and and these other serial killers, portrayed on Netflix through biopics or documentaries, he, he said you need to take a look at yourself." <laughs> yeah. And I I gotta say I I agree with that yeah. in a vague sense. Like, which is very. I mean, I found I found the timing very strange, but I guess it's you know the season's about the second half of the season's about to drop, yeah. and. You know that I guess people are interviewing him and asking him loads of you know different things. So some obviously comments like that might come out. I just found it very strange that someone who's kind of become so successful off the back of playing a serial killer, the back of playing a serial killer, has, has come out so strongly to criticise you know playing the serial killers, <laughs> the platform, the platform that yeah. kind of you know have given that. Like I would say, the only limelight he's had since Gossip Girl. Mm, well, yeah, and that's what by far his biggest ago. role. Um, what? You, no, I don't know. Gossip Girl role might. Oh, have this bigger. is no. This is no, <laughs> this is made Penn Badgley for sure. Uh, yeah, maybe. But, but Gossip Girl was big. Yeah, but, huge. But, but and he, he was wasn't the Gossip best, Girl. But, yeah, no, no. But but, he, but but he wasn't. I wouldn't describe. So him. we've ruined Gossip Girl for. <laughs> I wouldn't describe him as the protagonist. Though. Either way, it depends how you. It depends how you frame you. I think. I think if you see it as a comment. On that, on on the issues that Penn Badgley's talking about, that um, this is an example of how easy it is to make an audience sympathetic to a murderer, to someone in society we would hate. Um, I think if you if you see it, if you frame it as that, then he's got a point. Mm. Um, you know, he's meant to be charming. This is this is a commentary on how how sick we all are. I guess how yeah. how it's an exploration of that thing in us that is attracted to the dark side of human nature. Yeah, and I. If you frame it as that, it's brilliant. It works fine, and I, I'm, I'm completely in support of Penn, Penn Badgley's comments. However, is that what this is? Is that what you succeeds in being, or is it just the glorify the glorification of a serial killer, mm. black and white, that simple? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. Don't know the answer. I'm choosing to see it as the former. <laughs> but. I, I, I actually do want to bring up one more argument um, about season one, actually, because I felt season one. Um, really messed up the Peaches murder, in my opinion, and they, they they did it season episode six, episode seven, and actually for me that derailed the rest of the season. So I will actually have to disagree with you that season one was was not the best. None of these. I hated. I hated the way that he did did Peaches off. Absolutely, you know, <laughs> hit her over the head with a rock while she was on a run. Just it was just so. I didn't it, kill her. 
it, it did kill it. No, it didn't. Okay, right. Well, anyway, <laughs> you, anyway, you've misremembered that but, season but, completely. But anyway, he kills her with but, a gun. But he killed her way too. It was too easy. You don't know how it he was killed too her. Easy. No, no, no. no <laughs> You're yeah, mistaken. I remember being having a real problem with the way it happened, right? And, and really having. I maybe go. I won't go listen, back and watch it. Listen, but that was a big we're problem. Suppo- for we're me. supposed to be reviewing was, season four, but, yeah, that, yeah. That, but that problem is is maintained throughout the entirety I mean season 4 exemplifies it how easy is it, is it now for Joe to kill someone it's not even a plot moment when he murders someone and hides the body you just see him coming in throwing his keys on the table in from you know disposing yeah. of another murder victim yeah. as though it's just a day in the office but that sat with me in the first seasons time. it did it did you know the murders were a big moment and how are uh, like how am I going to get rid of the body I've got a trunk I've got a body in the trunk of my car again like yeah. um, murders just become you know, like an everyday activity for him almost. Um, you have to suspend so much disbelief with this show. Mm. That from starting, if you can get past that, I mean, how's he got the money to be living in these million-pound apartments and in, in different cities around mm. the world? Like every time, you know, you got you got to look TV, past by the way in this season. So yeah, I don't think ridiculous. you can. What's well, TV? I mean, the Why did he have a TV London. out of the 1950s? Oh, because it supports the whole literature, <laughs> you know, professor wearing tweed suits everywhere. Just like, like. turning it on with a dial. That was just, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can start picking apart plot holes in you because you already have to suspend so much disbelief just to engage with it in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I don't think plot holes really stand out as as a problem too much you have to look past that and just enjoy it for what it is and if you can do that then i give you an 8 out of 10 